0: Hello and welcome back to another Odds Against podcast. Today we'll be looking forward to another great day of racing on this Saturday, looking ahead to the next of the classics in the Irish Oaks, before moving on to our favourite track, the Namesmire, and focusing on what looks like one of the most competitive handicaps you'll see this season, the 60th running of the John Smiths Cup. Today, as always, I'm joined by Tom Pearson and James Glover. How are you gents? Are you looking forward to another York
1: meeting?
2: Uh, not as much as I would be uh, if I was there, but uh, yeah, it looks devilishly difficult.
1: Another Trixie today for a double.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we enjoyed our last uh, day on the Navesmire, didn't we?
0: Okay, so we're going to start off the, slightly away from the Navesmire, over at the Curragh. at 7.15 on Saturday, the Judmont Irish Oaks, the next in the line of the Classics. Um And Tom, if you want to kick us off, uh, what are your thoughts on the Irish Oaks? Uh,
2: How do I put this nicely? It's it's a little bit shit, really, isn't it? Uh, I I I honestly don't see anything outside of the front two being competitive. Uh, I think it's it it is literally a two-horse race between Ennis Timon and Cayenne Pepper. I I wouldn't be keen to take either of them on. I think the market has probably got them the wrong way around. I think Ennis Simon should probably be favourite ahead of Cayenne Pepper, but uh, I, I do think that Cayenne Pepper maybe has the more scope to improve. She's always looked like she's going to be a a mile and a half filly. It looks like it's going to be good ground, which uh, being by Australia should really help her out. And I thought she ran an excellent trial. She wasn't given uh, too much. Sorry, when I say she wasn't given too much work to do, she was given plenty to do. But uh, she didn't have a particularly hard time of it, uh, and th- there was no chance she was going to beat Magical that day. Um, but she stayed on really nicely. That was over ten furlongs. So I think step up to twelve, it'll uh, really suit her. But um, yeah, I-, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a betting proposition by any stretch of imagination. But uh, yeah, Cayenne
1: Pepper for me.
0: Okay, James, and do you agree with Tom? There is it a two-horse race, or is there something else that takes your fancy?
1: Well I actually quite like the look of one in here. But I saw a price and thought, snow chance I'm back in her. Like <sighs> a terribly, terrible terrible plan. <laughs> I thought I thought snow improved really nicely for the of trip in the Monster Oaks, which you would expect being a sister to Q Gardens. She might take some pegging back if she hits the front, you know, these Galileos will keep going all day. <clears throat> But I think that Munster Oaks is probably worth bearing in mind that she only beat a 99-rated non-stayer that day. <clears throat> You're going to have to bear with me with the old voice. It's going a bit croaky. She
0: had I- more cans of beer.
1: No, I don't think that would have been a good idea either. Um, so I, I think compare that to KM Pepper. I think she ran a really nice trial on the pretty potty behind Magical and just alongside Fleeting. Uh, when she was pressed by Fleeting, I think she went on a bit again. So another two furlongs um, will be right up her street. Um, I think I think K and Pepper's probably about the right price. Uh, it's no bet from me. If Snow was a bit of a bigger price, I'd be having a go, but she's best priced six to one.
0: Okay, it's interesting because uh, I've actually got a different take on the race to you guys. I actually thought uh, Ennis Simon and KM Pepper were probably short enough based on the standard that they're currently setting um, and I actually I think Passion looks a really good each way bet to me um, she's available around 16 to 120 to 1 um, she's a tough really, she's not far behind the market leaders on the ratings and obviously she made the running in the Oaks but she was always being forced to go a fraction quicker than she really wanted to by Tien She's And I know that they only went the same speed as they went in the Derby but she, she looked like she was out of her comfort zone as opposed to in the Derby where Serpentine was in his comfort zone. Um, she was never able to get a breather at any point, and she actually did quite well, I thought, to stick out at the race for as long as she did. She only ended up being six lengths behind Ennis Time, which sounds a fair bit, but given that Ennis Time got a much more favourable um, run, I, I didn't think that it was beyond the realms of possibility that she might, actually over, she might be able to overturn the form. Um, I, I can't see her being as aggressively forced in front this time because you wouldn't imagine that another of the O'Brien ones will really push her to go any faster Um, and I think this is a weaker race I think she's definitely got place claims and there is every chance that she could cause a bit of an upset at 16 to 120 to 1 sort of price Mm, Big one (laughs) Yeah What was that, Tom? Sorry, you're quite quiet then.
2: Uh, I said, don't forget the uh, front running bias at the cover.
0: There you go. So, an- That's another, another favorable thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, 16 to 1, 20 to 1, I think she's worth a good each way back. Uh, so, we're going to move on to the John Smith Cup, the 230 at York, uh, 10 fill on Class 2 handicap. And like I mentioned in this, at the start of the podcast, it looks an ultra competitive race. James, you like to get stuck into a handicap. What are your thoughts on the John Smith's Cup?
1: I think it's a great race this year. Um, I'm looking at the past two winners of the race, actually. Firstly, in 2018, Euk Glenn absolutely blitzed them two years ago. I think he's still shown that he's got ability in his two starts this season um, after his injury. He's been beaten by a subsequent Group 2 winner at Doncaster and then travelled reasonably well in soft ground over a mile and a half at Haydock last time. He's been put down three pounds for that run. So he's only three pounds higher than when he won in the race two years ago. I think he's got an excellent chance and he's 25 to one. Um, so that's Yook and Glenn. And then last year uh, it was Pivone who demolished them again. I think he won by about a length and a half. Um He's he's also won I think over course and distance at the Ebor meeting in 2018. Uh, Pivone really likes the track. He ran to a higher level last year after he won the race, um, but he didn't really trouble the judge. Um, I think his return to York in a big field handicap will really suit. He's only two pounds higher than when he won, um, so he's going to go close as well. Finally, I've got to mention Baltic Baron. <laughs> He's finally getting his chance to step up to ten furlongs. I banged on about it for the was it the Derby and the Oaks podcast that time. He's down a pound from his solid run at Ascot, where, as I said, two furlongs out he was dead last, stayed on nicely. Uh, he's got a five pound claimer on today. David O'Mara's has clearly been saving him for this big pot on the an Navesmire. And what's not to like about another O'Mara French import? Can he do it again? <laughs> <laughs> he is quite short though, actually, sixteen to one. He's—I probably wouldn't be. Oh, I'm going to have to back him, but I, it's not a great price. I'd be wanting the twenty-fives really, because he's, yeah, he's—it's a, it's a much more tougher race than he's ever really running.
0: Yeah, he, he was one that shortened up a bit a couple of days ago, wasn't he? He was about twenty odd to one shot mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, he, he was cutting to about fourteen to one, sixteen to one a couple of days ago. I noticed not an odds checker. Uh, the, there's a couple ahead of the market I actually thought would be a bit shorter. It's going to sound daft because Solidstone is his joint favourite. But I, I actually thought he'd be a, a fair bit shorter than next one I, I could see him being like a 9-2, to 5-1 to one shot. Um, this is sort of Sir Michael Stout, four-year-old. He look, still looked a bit weak last year and at the time I wasn't really convinced he definitely wanted 10 furlongs. But the way he went at Sandown last time out over eight furlongs would indicate he is ready for the step up, back up this year. That form looks really solid with the runner up going really well at York next time. And the other one at the head of the market I thought was that I thought would be sort of joint favourite was Desert Icon. Um, He didn't look particularly well handicapped, I didn't think coming into this season, but the gelding operation combined with maybe strengthening up as a four year old um, seems to have really done the trick with him. He's now on a serious upward curve. He absolutely demolished what looked a fairly useful field on paper at Newmarket last time. Um, So around about 11 to 1. I thought he was, I thought he'd be shorter in the betting than he is. I thought he'd probably be about second favourite. But there's one that I actually quite like at a, a bigger price, and that is Dark Jedi, who was a, he was listed place and tried in Group One Company as a two-year-old when he was with Charlie Hills at the time. He then had a bit of a disappointing three-year-old season, and he subsequently moved to Tim Easterby. Um, and now as a four-year-old, he's had three runs for Tim this season. He's won the last twice. Mm-hmm. The last time he wouldn't rip in, he was very impressive in doing so. He was trapped up against the rail for most of the straight. But once he pulled out, it only took him a matter of strides to catch the runner up and put the race to bed. Um, Duran Fentiman's ridden him all three occasions and he, he, he did not have to be hard at work at all to get him to win last time. He's only up five pounds for that effort and I'd be shocked if he still isn't ahead of his mark. And given the fact that he obviously was showing a fair bit as a two-year-old, he's obviously a classy horse and he's quite low down on the weights here. So I thought he's available at 20 to one. I thought that was a, a good each-way price. Tom, what's your thoughts on the uh, John biscuit? Cup?
2: Well, I have flip-flopped on this so many times throughout the week. Uh, My first instinct was that I quite liked Piv 1, like James, for for pretty much exactly the same reasons, as he said, uh, to be totally honest. Um, But then the lack of a recent run started to put me off. Then I kind of gravitated towards Good Birthday. I think uh, he's going to be a much better horse over 10 furlongs. Um, so he ran at Ascot uh, behind Scarlet Dragon over a mile and a half. I think the ground was probably just a little bit against him that day as well. Like I said, 10, ten furlongs quicker ground seems to be his thing. And if you look back through his form last year, he was third in the Cambridgeshire to Lob North. That obviously looks fantastic. He was uh, second, I think, to Desert Icon. Again, that's taken quite a big boost. And uh, yeah, he's probably still well handicapped on the back of those runs. So the only thing that's put me off is that uh, they've they've booked William Carver for him. Um, no offense to William Carver, but I, I just thought that if if they really fancied him, that like it's not like oh he's on a horrible mark, we need to take five pounds off him. I thought it was just a case of is he is he really the best uh, the best available for us. Um, and you'd you'd like to think that Rob Hornby's had a choice between the two as well and uh he, he's on Piv one he, he might just be on purely because uh because he won on he won the race on him last year and um, the one that I really started to warm to uh over the last couple of days though was fifth position he he looked to absolutely relish the step up to uh 10 furlongs at Doncaster he won that really nicely um he, he's still un, uh, unexposed at the trip i think he's probably improving a lot um but unfortunately he's been drawn in the car park in stall 19 which has uh massively put me off him i think nine to one is a bit short to be taken about a horse drawn in box 19. and uh yeah as a result i think i'm probably back on piv one now <laughs> so well,
1: how, many, um, how many selections are we given there between us it's like <laughs> it's so it's so competitive like yeah oh. It's a really good race.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think if you pushed me into a selection, it'd be pivot 1, but I-, I couldn't, I could not be having a bet on the race, which is is really weird because this is the sort of race where I could usually justify one or two. But I, I- I'll probably wait and see what the prices are. I think the market is has probably got quite a large overround at the minute. I think it'll kind of balance itself out uh, the day before the race. So yeah, I- I'd probably reassess. Once the market is kind of reformed, well, not reformed, but uh, you you catch the drift.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, I managed to get eight on my shortlist when I originally looked at the race. So that, <laughs> that just tells you, unfortunately, the biggest price one was you can it at 25 to 1. So, yeah, um, it's so competitive. Um, so we're going to move on to what is not as competitive, unfortunately. <laughs> which I'm actually really disappointed because the initial entries, it looked like it was going to be a really, really good race, I thought. There was, there was quite a lot that I was really interested in. But that's the John Smith Silver Cup, the 155, um, mile and six, group three. Um, it's interesting that Eagles by day has now moved to David O'Mara, um, given the of Logistics connections. Um, I still think it has potential for this season, but in terms of this race, the one that I can't get past is Moonlight Spirit. He travelled so well for a long way in the Gold Cup before completely emptying in the straight um, he's obviously dropping back six furlongs in trip this time. Um, and I think if he reproduces the form he showed last season, he'll take a lot of beating. He looked very, he looked a very progressive stay last year as a three-year-old. Um, and I think the form of, that he showed last year is stronger than that on offer from his rivals here, with the slight exception of Communique, but I'm not sure that he's going to appreciate this extra distance. So I, I think Moonlight Spirit will take an awful lot of beating. Uh, Tom, what's your thoughts on the John Smith Silver Cup?
2: Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you. I think one thing that has made me very wary of this particular race is that it's it's traditionally an Ebor trial as such. So um, I, I know it sounds really daft to be saying, but uh, do you do you really want a horse that's kind of on a good mark for the Ebor to be winning? Um, and it sounds yeah, it sounds really weird that in a Listed race there could be. Uh, there could be some non triers, um, but yeah, that that's really put me off the race. I think, um, I, I really like universal order for the Ebo. I think he's on a good mark of uh 109. And I suppose one thing, one way of looking at it is because the uh runners are all of a similar rating, and um, it, it might not necessarily impact their uh rating too much to actually win. Um, but yeah, if, if you force me into a pick, I, I'd probably go with universal order again it
1: it wouldn't be confident
0: okay James what's your thoughts on the John Smith
1: Silver Cup similar to Tom really in that it's just a bit of a a nothingness race I was quite disappointed with the race last year as well Um, if you had to pin me down and have a bet I'd probably go for Communique because you know he's going to be always trying Um, (laughs) um, it's not a new market though (laughs) well he's he's gonna be fit he's 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 fit trying and well it's just like you said universal Order, a bit of a prep um it's I just don't really care very much about the race <laughs> that's a fairly I think, I think we should probably move on at
0: that stage. Uh, <laughs> there's no point in digging a deeper hole. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, we're going to move on to the John Smith City Wall Stakes, the five furlong listed contest at 3.05.
1: This is better.
0: Yeah, this is better. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, great to see Alpha Delfini back, obviously a previous non thought winner and a very good record at York. Tom, uh, where's your allegiances lying in the John Smith City Wall Stakes?
2: Uh, my allegiances in this are very. Uh course very much course form i had it down between and i know you're going to be absolutely sick of me talking about mosgill um but uh mosgill is actually held on york form by Kmoro. um. and so last year at the Ebor meeting they met um kia if you if you take angus this as seven pounds claim into uh into effect Kmoro gave mosgill uh, nine pounds last year and a bit of a beating and uh, I can't see uh, Mosgill overturning the form. I think Kea has probably improved a lot more from that race than Mosgill as well. I'm um, by no means saying this is a two-horse race. This was, these were just the two that I was particularly interested in. Um, she does carry a three-pound listed penalty for a win at air. But she, she really impressed me at air. Um, she travelled really nicely. Um, she showed that she's not an absolute... It's going to sound difficult to explain, but I think previously she looked to me like a horse who needed to be an absolute speedball from the front. Whereas uh, she took a little bit of a lead last time at air and uh, picked them off quite nicely with a nice turn of foot. I think uh, with El Astronaut in the race, that's probably going to be quite key that uh, she doesn't need to be ridden that aggressively. She can just probably sit off him and take a lead. And uh, yeah, with, with her co- course form, uh, I'd side with Kea yeah. here.
0: OK, Kea for you. James, are you, are you going down the, the course form route as well?
1: Absolutely. I'm in agreement with Tom. I was so impressed with Kamura those two times she won at York last season. She was really quick from the gate and she just galloped and galloped from the front. Well, the first time she did anyway, galloped and galloped from the front, and you thought, "Oh, she's going to stop," but no, she kept going. I think she's going to keep progressing, um, and you'll and you'll see her in the top top sprint races at the end of the season. Um, typically, though, know, the only time I've actually backed her is when she got beat off 84 at Thirsk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that doesn't bode too well. But yeah, I'm all over Morro here.
0: I see, this is this is awkward for me now because uh, I've actually got it written down here. Don't think for all that Mor is a very nice filly that she is the right favourite. Um, I think oh, is she favourite? Jesus, she's yeah, she's joint favourite with Equilateral. Um, I, I I just the comeback win was good, but when you look at the horses in behind her, that to call it a listed race it was a bit embarrassing, really. She's beaten <laughs> a bunch of horses that are rated in the low nineties, mid eighties um so and she's now carrying the three pound penalty for that and she's in against much much more seasoned types the likes of um equilateral el astronauti major jumbo that are used to going in these sort of group races um so as much as i do like her i think at the prices I, i couldn't be touching her at the price and i actually thought equilateral probably should be favorite um I think his run behind Batash at Ascot was is by far the standout piece of form on offer here. Um, the only slight concern would be the fact that he did run at Newmarket last week in the July Cup, and it is a quick uh, turnaround for him. But if he's none the worse for that, then I think I think on current form he's, he's, the, he's the standout horse in the race.
1: So I think uh, I think he'll be the one for me. Do you think the um, the very sharp five at York will suit Equilateral?
0: Yeah, I mean he's. I think when he went at Maydan, he looked absolutely rapid uh, in January when he won when there. Um, I don't know, that was a handicap. But he was off 105 that day He won by won by two lengths. Yeah.
2: Um, did he win at Doncaster over five in his uh, two or three year olds? I think he did, didn't he? he?
0: He won a listed race. Yeah, yeah, he won a listed race there last year over five films at Doncaster. Um so yeah, I, I wouldn't have an issue with the tr- with the track for him at all, and I think uh, I think he could take. He takes the beat in for me. So just uh just to go against you two guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably have an egg on my face, but we'll see. <laughs> so we're gonna move on now. So we've had a look at the the main action at York. We're gonna move on to Newbury. We've also got a couple of good races on offer for us on ITV. And we're gonna start with uh the four o'clock, the Bet 365 Hackwood Stakes. It's a six-fill on group three. And James, uh What's, your, what's taking your
1: fancy for the Hackwood Stakes? You got you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh.
2: I, I from what you've said, I think yeah. we're the same again here.
1: No, I don't think so. I really want to give Mum's Tiffle one last chance. No, nope, that's mine. Well, oh. I, <laughs> I just think Mum's Tipple hasn't quite had the right conditions following the um the York demolition job. Um last season, I think Mums Tipple wants a nice fair track, sick, quick six furlongs, um, Commonwealth Cup, was probably a little little bit too soft, doesn't stay a mile. I can't really remember what was wrong behind Earthlight, but Earthlight's a, a class horse. Um, and yeah, I'm willing to give Mums Tipple another chance at, at 14 to one. Um, Ryan Moore is back on board um or we'll come down the center hopefully at newbury can get a nice just nice in front and uh and go clear so so yeah i'm willing to give Mum's tipple one last go at 14 to one
0: a horse that's beaten two runners in the last three races absolutely fine and tom what's your what's your argument for Mum's tipple
2: yeah i'm um, very similar i know he's only beaten two horses but you've got to look at the kind of races that he was running in. He, he's running the 2000 guineas where he just didn't see out a mile. He's never looked like he was ever going to see out a mile. And I think uh, conditions were very much just rolling the dice there, taking the chance. And then back at Ascot, exactly as James said uh, in the Commonwealth Cup, that was quite a fairly strong race. I don't think it's the strongest bunch of three-year-olds there is, but it looked like a race that had a lot of depth for all its lacking in outstanding stuff. Um, but yeah the the ground wasn't quite right Um, again like James said Ryan Moore back on boards for the first time since that York win Uh, I just looked at all of those towards the top of the market I mean judicial's got to give away a three pound penalty if he's given away a three pound penalty in this kind of group three you'd have to think he's probably a group one horse I just don't really see that and the tin man for all that he's won this race uh, has he actually won it a couple of times maybe but I, I just don't think he's the force of old, and they're, they're the two at the head of the market. Rep I wasn't all that impressed with his Windsor win. Um, I thought he was quite laboured, and he took a while to hit full stride. And uh, Matt is shaking his head. I think Rep is going to be the one for him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at 14-1, to 1, I, I'm willing to give Munsterple another chance as well, because I think it's it's very much uh, not not that I'm on the hook for him because I've, I didn't back him in the Guineas, I didn't back him in the Commonwealth Cup, but I think this is very much kind of last chance saloon for him to be that group horse and uh, yeah at a, at a nice price, I'm happy to give him that one last chance.
0: I, th- I think you are both absolutely bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I mean you touched on that. the one the one that I, I really like is is Ref RT. Um he was. He looked like he was going to be a really top-class horse when he won on his debut at York, won by five lengths that day. It wasn't the strongest race in terms of strength of death in the end, but it looked a good race at the time. Um, He then ran a couple of decent races uh, listed in Group 2 company before being slightly unlucky, I thought, when he didn't quite win at Doncaster in the big sales race. He's come back this year, and unlike Utah, I was actually really impressed with his win at Windsor. I think he'll come on an awful lot for that. I don't think Andrea has any ever had to really get that serious with him. He was just kind of coaxing him along. I think he knew he had the race won from a fair way out. And I think he's he's an improving type and he doesn't have a massive amount to find in this. sort of, I think Group 3 Company is the logical step for him now. Obviously, having won a listed race last time. Uh, I, think, I, I think he's the one side with progressive three-year-old. So no love for any of the older horses from any of us then at all?
2: Uh, no, not particularly. <laughs> no.
1: Nah. Uh,
0: we all agree on that fight then. Three-year-olds through <laughs> wall. As, as, uh, ends up being an older horse, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to move on now to the Aphrodite stakes, which is the 12 furlong listed fillies and mares race at three twenty-five. Um, Fairly competitive races, I thought, for the for the for the for the grade, and the one that I'm siding with is a horse called Moll Davis. Um, she was unraced at two, but she gradually improved as a three-year-old last season. Um, she's still unexposed over today's twelve furlong trip, having only had two starts at it and winning once and finishing a close third on the other time. Um, both times she stayed on well at the finish. She's shown that she's still in good form with two good runs this season, both over ten furlongs, and the step back up to twelve furlongs will suit. And with these types of like fillies conditions races, listed Group Threes, I, I think it's always wise to keep on side the Phillies that are in current good form. And she's available nine to one, so she would be the bet for me. And given the profanities that I can see on my screen from Thomas <laughs> Pearson as I put her off, uh, I suspect Tom. What's your opinion on Mol Davis's chance in this race?
2: Yeah, I, I quite fancied her as well. Um, pr- pretty much exactly as you said. She's got still got loads of improvement at the trip she won um i know it was only off a mark of 75 i think it was but she won fairly easy um she was third in a french listed race behind melee meal and that was on heavy ground so that would have really kind of tested the stamina anyway and it was a slowly run race and she's clearly one of those horses that travels well she's actually quite a frustrating horse to follow because she should have a lot more handicap wins to her name than she should and um yeah, she always shapes as if that step up to 12 furlongs is going to kind of bring out an awful lot of improvement for all that she's not really bred for it on pedigree. Um, she she doesn't really have loads to find at the ratings either. And uh, yeah, it looks, because it's a big field, you'd like to think there's a fairly, or, or a relatively strong pace anywhere. Um, Vivid Diamond's probably going to push quite forward. So um, anytime there's a Mark Johnson runner in there, you'd, you'd be hopeful of a good pace. And uh, yeah, I think
1: she's capable of stepping up to time Cross.
0: James, are you going to make it three for Mol Davis, or have you got a different selection?
1: No, I'm not. I'm afraid I'm not. Um, as you know, I absolutely hate <laughs> these bloody fillies and mares races. Um, so I thought, let's take a chance on Mr. Haggis's Lady G. She's the outsider. It do- I didn't think it looked a particularly strong race, so I thought it could be picked up by something that's Slightly unexposed. She made a debut behind Domino Darling and, and Gold One. Gold One, rather, which is reasonable form. She then stepped up to 10 furlongs in the next race, which does look quite, quite a strong race. She was in a, a group of three who finished plenty ahead of the rest of the field. The winner and second have both gone on to win again. She's, um, she's by Golden Horde and out of a Galileo mare. So the further two furlongs, to the mile and a half won't be a problem at all. And I just thought there's a bit of, Im- there's obviously improvement to come there. So, yeah, she'd be worth a bet. She's William Huggins' horses are running really, really well. She gets loads of weight, being a three year old. There's another three year old, there's two other three year olds in there, uh, Cabaletta, but Cabaletta's probably about as pacey as Don Poli. Um, so, so, I thought Lady G was just a big enough price. What price roughly is she? Do you know? Well, she's she's sixteen to one, but I, I think it's a type of race where the, the markets going to change a lot. Like your your front end's going to get a lot shorter, and your your outsiders are going to get quite a lot bigger.
2: Um, Don't forget the willing to risk a handicap mark of eighty as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And the fact they could have just gone for a maiden or a novice. Yeah. Oh, you've uh, you've made. Convince me to having a second Cause, cause, race there james
1: because <laughs> it's just uh, there's just not much depth really otherwise is there to the race
0: yeah there isn't there isn't any sort of real standout horses that you're scared of taking on
1: no okay
0: that's an interesting point there we go and 16 to one as well so can't say that we don't give you a good bit of value on this pod so on that note we're going to move on to the final race the, that we're going to preview the 215 the Bet 365 Rose Bowl Stakes, the six furlong listed race for two year olds. Um, and Tom, is there anything that's really taking your eye in this? Uh,
2: probably a bad time to talk about value, really, isn't it? When you look at who the favorite in this is, um, mm. anybody who does any speed figures will tell you that Method put up a really good figure um, on debut. Obviously, the form of that race has been absolutely franked. I think Method was maybe about, was it four and a half lengths in front of uh, Fev Rova, yeah, who's yeah. gone on to be a very narrow neck um, behind uh, Dandala in the Duchess of Cambridge. So that form um, form works well, the speed figures work well. Um, yeah, I, I get the feeling that this could be one of Martin Mead's uh, better two-year-olds over the last few years, and it wouldn't surprise me uh, if ended up a bit like advertised going on to uh, do quite well in group ones later in the year potentially the dewhurst uh, or maybe more of a speedy type and maybe one for the commonwealth cup next year but um yeah i, I it's quite annoying because when i was looking through the race i was just looking through in alphabetical order i saw imperial yellow at like 72 one. i thought oh that's a nice price got him in my tracker and then I just got down. ah, method is running. Yeah, scribble that one out. So um, yeah, unoriginal, but uh, I think Method is going to take a lot of beating if he shows what he did at Doncaster.
0: James, what about yourself? Are you, are you all in on Method? Or have you got something else that you're looking forward to in the race?
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't really disagree with what Tom said. Um, I think Method will win, and I'd like to see Kraken Power follow Method home. I thought Kraken Power run really nicely, at Hamilton and <laughs> um, pulled nicely clear in the end. It'd be nice to see in Jardine with a good two-year-old.
0: And uh, just to round it off, I'm, I'm in agreement with kind of both of you there. Method doesn't launch a beat. I did think I'm, I'm going to back crack and Power each way. I thought he made a very promising debut at Pontefract, where he made very stylish progress from the back of the field. The front two pulled seven lengths clear that day. The, set, the winner hasn't ran again yet, Um the second start, he was at Hamilton. He travelled very eye catchingly throughout the race, and he, he won by three lengths with the minimum of fuss. He's a good looking colt, and I think for a smaller yard, it's really exciting that they've got one that could potentially be well up to running group, group company. So I thought he, him at eight to one. You've you got to take these shorties on sometimes, even even when you think they're absolute certainty. You just got to you just got to have a go at them sometimes because I'm not going to be getting rich with my small stakes
2: back in a shorties. I don't think so. you're going to be getting rich back in eight to one shots each way in it when a race is either. Nah, no, true. But <laughs> we'll see.
0: Anyway, so is there any other bets from Saturday at this stage? Tom, have you got anything else on Saturday that you're looking forward to?
2: Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, it's a bit difficult because the prices aren't out. Um, a couple from York that I quite liked. So on in the 3.40... Um, I am really looking forward to seeing him make my day, but I uh, think he, he's actually going to make the market. Um, it's not very often you'll see any horses move from John Gosden to Rafe Beckett, is it? I thought that was a very interesting move. Um, but the one that I was interested in in that race was Al Muffrey for William Haggis. Um, he always looked like a really nice horse. He won the Zetland Gold Cup at Redker, um last year. He is a bit of a tricky ride, but um, he, he ran at Haydock. Uh, at the back end of last year. And he, I think he was 72 favourite, um, possibly in the old Newton Cup, actually. Um, but it was a big field handicap. Um, and he was dead last. Uh, but I looked at it. It turned out the, and you might have to correct my pronunciation here, uh, the single snapped. Now, I had absolutely no idea what that was until I Googled it. It turned out that it's the uh, belly strap. So, um, yeah, you can completely forgive that run. Um, He he again ran in the uh, Scarlet Dragon race at Ascot. I forgot the name of it. Um, But uh, yeah, that was over a mile four um, on soft ground, which he he might not necessarily stay. Um, Those are his only two runs over a mile and a half. He has a third here, but I think he's got excuses for both of them. I think uh, he he always, or at least he certainly improved for his uh, second run last year. I remember on uh, his seasonal appearance at the Guineas meeting, he was very keen. And very free going. And then, uh, yeah, he came out and won the Zetland Gold Cup. And any of William Haggis's runners are worth a second lock when he sends them to York. Um, in the race after that, the 4.10, um, I was interested in Musica, um, who doesn't have that many York runs to his name. Um, he tends to do a lot of his winning at Thirsk, actually. But he has, uh, on his last York run, he was second to Dakota Gold off £7 higher. So he's came down a fair bit in the handicap. Um, two starts ago, he shaped like he was really ready to win. Uh, Doncaster behind went with falls. He had to wait a while for a run. And uh, by the time he got it, the race was already over. But he picked up really nicely at the end. Um, he has run uh, since. He was, I think he came either sixth or eighth for air, but he was only beaten three lengths. Um, he has won on soft ground, so it's it's not really, or at least ran well on soft ground. So it's not really an excuse um, for his defeat there, but he is a much better horse on um, on good ground. I think most of his forms at flat tracks as well. I think, I, I suppose Thirsk to an extent is a flat track, but Thirsk, Doncaster, York, etc. So I think your return to uh, York is quite a positive. He's drawn in stall 19. Um, I suppose we we don't know how the sprint track is going to ride. There, there are various different biases at York from season to season. But uh, I think my strongest bet of the weekend is actually on Sunday, if I'm allowed to go for that. Uh, well,
0: I I think we'll allow you to,
2: yeah. <laughs> I am really sweet on Lullaby Moon in the uh, Super Sprint. Um, I think she's available at nine to one. I had a bet at uh, ten to one earlier in the week. Oh. I, I might uh, top up more on the day. Um, but I thought she she made a debut at Goodwood and she couldn't have won any easier she travelled sweetly she quick and nicely um and she back then she was trained by Joe Tweet or Chewitt i think it's Tewitt, isn't it
0: i think it is Tewitt, yeah,
2: yeah. uh Joe Tewitt wouldn't have many uh
1: many 2 year old ponies
2: oh, oh, at all well I'll, I'll go for all three at once
1: <laughs> i'm sure Tweet. once i'm sure once he said it rhymed with cute Right, well, I'm not go,
2: sure. go shoot then. I mean, if <laughs> that's correct,
0: that's the most random bit of knowledge that I've been on this podcast.
2: It doesn't really matter because he doesn't train the horse anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he wouldn't have many two-year-old winners anywhere, let alone first-time out two-year-olds. So I think I think when it, when he does have one, you have to kind of stand up and take notice. Uh, she's since been bought by Qatar Racing and uh, moved to Michael Bell. Um, she, she just looked that perfect combination of real speed and real class at Goodwood. Um, she's been aimed at this race because she was uh, quite a cheap buy. She only carries 8.3, which is always good in one of these uh, sales races. And, uh, yeah, Harry Bentley's on board. This has been the plan since Qatar bought her. I, I think she goes off about 5-1, to 4-1 to favourite. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: James, have you got any other bets that you fancy over on Saturday or
1: weekend? I had a a couple of small fancies, but they're in the same races that Tom's talked about. They were different horses. (laughs) I thought Arctic Fox in the 340 at York was quite an eye-catcher at Ripon last time. Didn't quite get the best run through. That race was behind Dark Jedi, who runs in the John Smith's Cup. Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually gone down a, a pound for that run, which I thought was quite generous. So, Arctic Fox is a pound below last winning mark, and that last win was over course and distance uh, in the 410. I was just willing to give Dark Shot another shot. Um, he has run quite well at York in the past. He's just plummeted down a handicap to being off 77, um, and it's not the strongest race. I'm sure he was in a listed race at York running quite well last season. Yeah, he was a half a length he behind goes to the city of walls, wasn't it? Yeah, he was half length walls, yeah. a length behind. Up night in that, in that race. So he he often runs quite well at the track, especially when there's the ground's quite quick. Um so he's down to 77. Um I don't know what price he is, but I'll probably be having a small bet on him. Dark shot.
0: Okay. Uh, the one that's taken really caught, an entry that's really caught my eye on Sunday is in the 2:15 Newbury. It's a Class Two Six on Sprint Handicap, and I see that Blue Mist has entered in here. And I think he's currently about six to one, but I think he'll probably go off a fair bit shorter. He obviously ran at Ascot in the Wokingham Consolation Race, and if you watch the replay, he's been beaten four lengths, and he's finished ninth, and 19. But he was literally still hard on the bridle. He just couldn't physically get a run at all. There's just a wall of horses in front of him. And that was his first try for a long time at six furlongs. And I think he's going to go off a very, very short prize favourite. And I wouldn't be surprised if he won well. Um he's currently six to one. Okay, so team selections for our team Trixie. What what are we going for? James, start, James, start us off. What do you fancy? Oh
1: my word. Um can we go for Pivwan in the John Smith's Cup?
0: Piv One, okay. Tom, what do you fancy?
2: Am I allowed to go for a Sunday one?
0: You can go for a Sunday one, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, Lullaby Moon's my strongest bet for the weekend.
0: Lullaby Moon, okay. And then, oh, what am I going to go for? I think the one that I'm going to probably side with is going to be Mul Davis in the Aphrodite Stakes.
2: So this it. must be a first. I actually like your two. <laughs> I'd say
0: that as a compliment. <laughs> Bodes well. Bodes
1: well.
2: Okay, um, so
0: that's it from us. Um, if you like the podcast, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, if you can do, as that is the main way that more people be able to see the pod. Also, any retweets or feedback would be greatly appreciated. We, we have tried to sort the sound quality out a bit more this time, so hopefully it'll, it'll be better than it has been on some of the previous pods. So yeah, th- um, thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye. Good night. Yep.